morning, everyone. It's a, I'm really thankful to be here. Um, beautiful blue sky. We're thankful that we could make it to Omec yesterday despite all the threats of ice, ice and freezing rain, but we're glad we could all be here together. So before we turn to God's living word, I just want to give an opportunity for any announcements, any uh, greetings to the church. Thank you for those greetings from Sister Nancy. Thank you for those greetings from Brother Edwin. Sister Margaret, is, did you want to share something? Mm-hmm. Thank you for so much for those greetings. So we have for Brother Edwin, as we mentioned, and uh, an appeal if anyone uh, uh, would please uh, think of him and visit him during the week. And Sister Elizabeth Bayfert also um, sends her greetings that uh, she's in her last week of treatment and is really appreciative of all the prayers. Just, uh, we have greetings from OMEC which was held yesterday in uh, Harrow. And um, just want to give a little uh, advice which Brother Ed Yan gave concerning Sunday mornings. Um, he had an excellent presentation on dynamics in the family, um, trauma, uh, all the issues that may go into um, helping family dynamics improve and, and, and grow. And one of the issues that he brought up was Sunday mornings was always a time of frustration, difficulties. He had, he's got a lot of kids. I forget how many he's got. And uh, eventually, it was, it was a big rush. They had to rush out, rush do this, uh, attend to these children. They made uh, a point, and that is everyone has to be at the breakfast table at 8.30. Then they can have their breakfast on time, enjoy breakfast, spend time fellowshipping and being family time together. And then they could go to church and be at church on time and not making it a big rush. So this is a, a friendly reminder from your local elder. Um, please try to make it to church. Uh, we said we would get here at quarter past 10. That was sort of the agreement that, so we could spend time praising God. And let's try to do that. Uh, and maybe you can set a time in your house when you're going to have breakfast and spend time with the family. All you've got to do is add that extra little 15-minute buffer in your morning, and things are going to work out really great for you all and for us as well. 
So uh, let's not let each other down. And let's um, give God the honor, glory, and praise due to him by spending a bit more time uh, praising him in the morning. Praises that, it says the scriptures that God inhabits the praises of his people. So let's, uh, let's try to do that. Can we sort of make a commitment within our own hearts this morning to do that and, and try to be here on time? Uh, and um, the other thing I'd, I'd like to do is, since I'm here, <laughs> is, is uh, announce that this morning we've got some joyful news uh, about over 20 years ago, our friend Sid Poon started attending our church. And it's, he's been a faithful attendee for 20 plus years. And we're so thankful that after much uh, counseling and, and through the years, all the efforts they went through, God finally broke through the barriers of his heart and, and Sid has professed peace with God and he's ready to be baptized. And we rejoice together with the angels of heaven that, Lord willing, that's going to happen this year. So please encourage him when you greet him. He, he, will, he will greet you with a God bless you. Such a wonderful news. Um, and um, I remember Sister Lily Vukov telling me last week, I was talking to her, and she said, Brother Doug, it's so nice that we could call each other brother and sister. And so it's so nice that we can rejoice together with Sid. The baptism, Lord willing, will be in the, in the, in the spring, which I think we're embarking on. I think we've already passed the spring mark. And uh, we're looking at the two weekends uh, because we still have to finalize um, Sister Mary Poon's schedule. We not only have to consult with elders, we've got to consult with the Blue Jay schedule because she works on Sundays. We want to make sure that we have, we, she's, she's going to be free for that weekend. So keep those two things in mind. June the 25th and July the 8th, okay, weekend. And we'll make a, a decision, Lord willing, next week. We're going to give Sister Mary an opportunity to um, uh, consult if she's free on those weekends, any of those weekends. So um, having said that, I'll leave the rest of the uh, announcements to Brother Ed. Mm -hmm. We certainly rejoice with the angels in heaven. And so please uh, make an effort to get to know our good friend uh, Sid Poon and encourage him um, as he's soon to be our, our brother. And we're, we're really thankful for that. <clears throat> and uh, I also appreciated the, the reminder uh, from OMEC. Uh, it, it, I could just kind of identify with that sort of uh, the contradiction of, you know, you're wanting to come to the house of prayer in a prayerful mood and yet there's all this kind of anger in the car how come you made us late an hour so you know i thought it, it was an excellent suggestion that we just kind of just be intentional about uh you know, what time we get together in the morning for breakfast and do that so that was a good suggestion in fact there's quite a lot uh, there of uh, good ideas that did come out of omec i'm going to just take a few minutes if, if that's okay uh, give you a quick summary of what we learned yesterday. Yeah, like I said, I praise God we got there safely, despite all the alarms of, of ice. And uh, 
there, it was neat uh, that uh, Brother Ed shared about um, his work in Brentwood Recovery Center. They, that's, they've had 33,000 people come through there, and he's been counseling there for 13 years. And, and he shared a video testimony of a young man. He went into a homeless shelter and just encouraged him to join. And, you know, 90 days later, you know, he's sharing that, yeah, my dad was a roofer, a hardworking guy, but an alcoholic. And I became an alcoholic at age grade six. And, you know, and yet, you know, you know, God has really helped him now. And he's does his, you know, realize he needs that higher power to help him change. Otherwise, he'll go back to it. But, you know, it was kind of really neat to see how God, you know, is working and, and helping him. And now, uh, kind of ironically, um, this, um, the government is saying it's a Catholic facility, but they want to make it more non-denominational. So they're asking Brother Ed to preach every other Sunday there at, uh, at the recovery center. And, and so that's really nice that we're able to share the gospel there. Uh, we did learn, as we learned about uh, family dysfunction, and I could kind of relate to a few points there. And, I, and, and thankfully, uh, Brother uh, Ed is going to make himself available to come uh, to various churches. So we'll hopefully hear that presentation here locally because I thought it was, it was helpful. Um, and as well as, you know, trauma. Just a general problem as I spent, you know, six hours driving there and back and, and consulting with the brothers. It was really encouraging to be together with my fellow laborers there. And kind of like the thing we're all struggling with is, is just recovering from this pandemic. It just seems like we're all, we can't do as much as we used to. I, I thought maybe I'm just getting old. But, uh, you know, even the young people are just much more fragile and anxious and dealing with uh, uh, um, it, all the way through the ages. And it even, like we heard this morning, church attendance, being able to stay all day, being more committed. We'd like to, and that's what we kind of did at the end of the, the day. We're talking about our London, uh, now we're going to call it Glencoe because that's where the Vargas are, Glencoe Church Plant how we'd like to ask people to pray, to, to uh, think about you know, uh, uh, going there like we did a year ago of visiting, encouraging, even you know, if God moves in your heart to move there. And you know, some people are saying, but you know, we're having a hard enough time coming here on a Sunday morning or afternoon, but yet I think God wants us to grow. And I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what is it that is kind of slowing us down and, and, and keeping us so fragile and so, um, you know, less capable than we used to be. I just pray that with God's help, we can shake that off and, and, and get back into the battle uh, for the Lord and his kingdom. We also had a, a good talk uh, from Brother Alan Strynich about Matthew 18 and how we do and don't apply that in resolving, um, you know, interpersonal uh, not only uh, sin is really what the Bible is talking about and, and how we really need to have that transparency and culture of openness with each other and helping each other to prevent problems before they, they get too big. Um, and then finally we had a, a summary from the ACC and BC. So that was what we talked about yesterday. There were lots of brothers there from all the Ontario churches and, and Beverly Hills and they all extended greetings. So that was kind of a long-winded greetings. Are there any other greetings to the church?
Thank you, Brother Mila. <clears throat> Just uh, one more announcement, and that is the Richmond Hill Church is uh, planning a baptism May 27th. For those that uh, are interested, Brother Mikey's uh, daughter, Isabella, is ready for baptism. So May 27th. Keep it in your calendar. We praise God for that as well. I know Sister Beverly uh, extended greetings. She wasn't able to make it this morning. And even our, our friend Daniela Perez sent me a message saying she couldn't make it today, but wishes she could. Any other greetings to the church? Thank you for those greetings from Brother Mark. A number of our young men have uh, gone to uh, Beverly Hills. Uh, they were there uh, um, late Friday night and were kind of doing a farewell for, for Josiah. So um, that's why you'll see a few less young men in the benches today. Uh, are there any other greetings before we? Uh, there are a few announcements. Um, we have also the focus of the month is for the Ingia. I'm sorry, I had, had trouble pronouncing it. The, the old age home we have in Yugoslavia that uh, the, the Lislovs helped uh, be in and supporting that. Further with the uh, the uh, Josiah and Laura's shower is actually next Saturday at noon for the, the ladies. And uh, we ask you, today's the last day to sign up on the bulletin board. So please do that by end of day today. And also, it's the, we, we really need to finalize the, uh, who's attending the wedding. So please sign up as well on the bulletin board so they can plan for the food and housing. This uh, Wednesday, um, we're going to have a study of Matthew 17. Brother Shane Bozich has agreed to, to lead that this Wednesday. And I believe that's all the announcements I have. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we are indeed so privileged that we can come together with those that love you, those that want to worship you and to hear your living word and that we can shake off all of the influence and discouragement and anxiety and fears that this world attempts to drag us down with and we can build on that foundation of that hope we have in our Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and that we can break free of all these bonds. Father, we pray this morning that our minds, our hearts would break free and we could hear and uh, align ourselves with ways that are healthy and hopeful and will lead us to be with you forever. Father, we know there are those who are struggling, those who are struggling with even loneliness we heard, we pray that we could be more diligent in reaching out to our dear brothers and sisters and friends. We know what it's like to be isolated, and Satan certainly wants that. So let's, let us help uh, be your hands and feet. Father, we uh, pray for those who are dealing with illness. Lord, I'm thinking of our, our uh Dear Brother George Bielek, whose, whose wife we know is dealing with cancer, we pray that that PET scan would come clear this Friday, but now his daughter is the, the third time paralyzed uh, with uh, swollen limbs in the hospital, and 
something to do with their kidneys, but the doctors don't understand, but you do, Lord. And we just pray that you would help them to get to the bottom and that that young 18-year-old would be able to get back into a healthy life again. Father, that family is going through so much. I pray for great grace for them. Lord, I pray for the many illnesses that we are dealing with, even in our own church, those who are dealing with with chronic illness for over a long period of time, Lord, and those who are dealing with old age and the infirmities and and all the isolation that that brings, uh, not even being able to be here to worship with us. We pray for encouragement for them. And Father, we pray for those who we praise uh, you, Lord, that you've been able to be victorious in the life of Sid Poon, and we just rejoice with the angels of heaven, and it's such a wonderful thing to celebrate, and we pray that many more could also press into the kingdom, even if it takes uh, cutting off things that are precious to them and, and pressing in with all they have, but Lord, we know that you've come and you've shed your blood and you've made a way for them to escape. And we just pray that many more would recognize our need and be willing to surrender all and that they can also experience that joy. Father, we praise these, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For our meditation this morning, I want to invite everyone to turn with us to... Uh, 1 Corinthians and to continue our study there in chapter 4. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and the stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord." Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? Now ye are full, now ye are rich. Ye have reigned as kings without us, and I would to God ye did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God hath set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We 
are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as Beloved sons, I warn you, for though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. (coughs) Wherefore, I beseech you, be followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? I've read the entire chapter with the Lord's help. The Lord is worthy that we bow before him in prayer. Our gracious and loving Father in heaven, Indeed, thou art worthy to receive all honor, glory, and blessing, power, and might. For you are the one, Lord, that all flesh will one day bow their knees to in Jesus Christ, your Son. Every one of us, whether we are believers or not, whether we have been saved or not, we will bow our knees and confess that you are the Lord. But for some it will be too late. Some will bow their knees in praise and adoration and love and others will bow their knees in fear and hopeful wishfulness that they could also enter your kingdom. But now is is the time, Lord. Now is the acceptable time. And we should not be like those that are in the wilderness that rejected you, that disobeyed you, that lived in unbelief. But now is the accepted time. And as your beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ, stood up in the synagogue in Nazareth and read from the book of Isaiah 61, that he came to preach the gospel to the poor, to minister to those that are so deprived of the blessings of food, of drink, of those that were sick and an invalid. He came to heal 
and especially it says to heal the brokenhearted and to preach the gospel to the poor. And he says, for this was the acceptable time. And he says, and now this has been fulfilled in your ears as he watched the Jews stare at him in disbelief and unbelief. Father, we pray that there will be none in this morning's service within earshot of the words that will come forth that would reject your word, that would reject your invitation, that would reject the prodding of the Holy Spirit because tomorrow is not promised. Today is the acceptable day. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you have worked in the heart of our dear friend, Sid. We're so thankful, Lord, that as his parents came from a communist country and whose father was so in, enmeshed in the communist party that you were able and willing and mighty not only to save our dear sister Mary but now Sid and we thank you for it no human being can understand your miraculous power and your grace and your love we thank you for that great power of salvation in his life and we pray that you would continue to work and sit in his brother Kauai and in Lulu, and you'd care for little Princeton. Oh, Father, we pray that the eyes of the blind would be open, that they would see that this world is empty, not just empty, but full of corruption and sin and deceit. And the, the, the devil himself is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We thank you, Lord, for the, the testimony of Matt in Brentwood. As one of your children reached out to him and ministered the gospel to him. And he was able to Rescue through your Holy Spirit this one soul from alcoholism and homelessness and all the depravity and sin that he went through. And it is your will, Lord, that we would do the same here in Toronto. Lord, we're so thankful in, in times past that out of a congregation of 70-odd members, we had... 16 that were rescued not from within our circles and we pray Lord that that spirit would return into the members of your body that we'll not lose the zest and the zeal and the passion and the commitment to fulfill the great commission which Jesus left us with before he ascended to your throne. 
We often sing, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. How much are we interested in seeking and saving through your Holy Spirit, being your messengers, your mouthpiece, your hands and your feet and going into the world, preaching the gospel, teaching all nations, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Oh Lord, remind us of our mission. Remind us starkly, pointedly, sharply of the vocation with which we are called. Lord, we pray we would be obedient to your call. That we would see all of our efforts on this earth for self-satisfaction, for self-protection, for self... All come to naught. What are we in? What have we at the end of the day? What have we got to show at the end of the day? If it's not for Christ. Father, we thank Thee that You are patient, You are long-suffering, You are merciful and gracious. And we pray that there will be many more that will, many sons that will be brought to glory through your son, Jesus Christ, through his shed blood. But you have chosen the foolishness of preaching. You have chosen weak men like the apostle Peter and Paul and weak men like us to preach your word. Not just the preachers from the pulpit, but each and every one of us as we go into this world, that we may remember the cause, the purpose we are here for. Father in heaven, we are mindful for those that are not here this morning. You'll be with them, especially those that are sick, those that have been on our hearts and on our lips and in our minds for many years. That you would be their comfort, their strength, their healer, that you would visit them through closed doors and you can do the things that we cannot as humans. You can perform miracles, but we can pray. We can lift up holy hands interceding for them and for our children. We've heard this morning, especially for our dear sister Elizabeth, that you'd be with her, you'd comfort her, comfort us and strengthen her, and you'd bring about healing and re relief from pain and suffering as she's come to the end of her treatments. We pray, O Lord, for our dear sister Olga Odog, who's been struggling with a chronic disease. We pray that you'd be her comfort and strength, and she may know that she's also lifted up by your people here on this earth. There are many, Lord. We pray for our dear sister Lily Vukov now. She's also struggling in pain, but she's so glad and thankful for the salvation you've given to her, and we pray that you'd give her relief from pain and suffering. You comfort her and give her healing. There are many we can pray for, but we ask for your presence with them this day. We pray for the lonely, the shut-in, that we would go and visit them. Who will go if we do not? We often, in our prayers, we, we send you to them, but you want us to go 
and visit them so they can be with their brethren and feel that they are being cared for. Help us to do so, Lord. Your word says that you were in prison, you were naked, you were sick, you were hungry, you were thirsty, but who gave you to drink? In so much we, as we do it to those that are yours, we do it unto you. Help us to remember that. And also help us to remember that if we don't do them unto them, we don't do it unto you. Your word says, if I am your father, where is my honor? Help us, Lord, to have that renewed zeal, to be revived, and to give you your due honor, to praise you when we can, to be here in your house of prayer, worshipping you, praising you, adoring you. as a body, collectively. And that others may be inspired and want to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We pray now for our dear brother Edmund as you would preach your word, be with him, give him words to speak and help us to open our hearts to not be resistive but accepting of your word. For we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we uh, remember the context of, uh, of what uh, Paul is dealing with here, and this has uh, been since chapter 1, He's been dealing with the issue that there's been division in the church. In particular, uh, there's been factions trying to follow different leaders. And as we see, the, the main conflict was those following Paul versus those following Apollos. And here in this uh, chapter, this is the, the fourth chapter he's addressing this. This is going to be his conclusion uh, about this. This last time, time he's addressing this before he goes on to other issues that the first the, the churches church in Corinth had so he starts off saying let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ so now we know that uh, apostle Paul was a minister but when we say a minister it wasn't the, an official position in the apostolic christian church but the fact that he was a servant that's what the word is talking about he was a servant of Christ and a steward he says uh, which is someone who's been entrusted with responsibility for uh, the mysteries of God. Now, that's a pretty high calling, to be entrusted with the mysteries of God. In fact, that is, is incredible that each one of you has access to things that were hidden, not understood for millennia, and now you <clears throat> understand God's plan and how his ultimate goal, which even Satan didn't get, as we read earlier uh, in this, this book, uh, or he wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory, how this was a, a, a wise way to overcome evil with good, to defeat 
evil by letting evil be evil and letting good triumph through sacrifice, which evil just doesn't get. But we have this mystery, this mystery that this body, this group of people here in this place this morning are actually the body of Christ and that we are, have God inside of us and empowering us to, to connect with each other and together accomplish Christ's work in Toronto, Ontario. It's, it's an incredible high calling and it's, it's a mystery. It's not obvious, but it's true. And you have been entrusted with that. Now, coming back to his role within the church, he says it's, it's important, it's required if you've entrusted someone that they're trustworthy, that you'll be faithful. And now he's going to bring out a principle uh, that I think applies to all of us. And it's quite relevant and quite powerful, actually. He's talking about what do we do when, with, with all the, the judgment, judgment of other people, judgment of ourselves in our own head. As we said yes, last, yesterday, we were talking about a lot of, um, you know, em, the emotional, psychological struggles that people have individually and as systems and families. Um, in, in this idea of judgment, of, of that critical spirit of, obviously, in, in this case, there was a lot of negative talk about Paul in Corinth, and it was kind of coming back to him through the back channels. And how is Paul dealing with the fact that he's got a lot of the people he's loved and sacrificed for uh, kind of stabbing him in the back with their words? How is he dealing with that? Do you ever feel that Maybe people don't even say it, but you think you can see it in their eyes or you hear hints or you know, or you think, you know, if I do this, I am going to be bad mouthed. People in church all of a sudden become, instead of your allies, your connected body in Christ through whom you accomplish the will of God in this time and place, they become people you have to hide from. People you need to put up barriers, uh, facades, that kind of just totally defeats this mystery of God that he's trying to work in 2023 in Toronto, Ontario. How does Paul deal with that negative, critical spirit? Paul says, it's, it's a small thing. I really don't care. It's a small thing to me that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. I don't even judge my own self. And what does he mean by that? Is he saying like he doesn't, he doesn't evaluate whether he's doing the right thing? He never compares his actions against the word of God? Is that what he's saying? Is he saying that, yeah. Why? He's saying that he, he doesn't really care about human whether he ends up being right or validated or considered, you know, by, by other people, because he, these people, even he himself, as he evaluates himself, even he is wrong. He doesn't even get 
and understand everything that's going on in himself, and even he can be wrong about himself, much less other people who don't know what's going on and don't know the context, how much more are their opinions uninformed and er erroneous? So why should it matter to him that these people in Corinth are thinking negative thoughts about him and spreading them? Does it matter? He says, I know nothing by myself. I don't, I, my own vision, even of myself, is so limited. But I'm not hereby justified. Does, even though, okay, you know, all these people are uninformed and their opinions don't matter, that doesn't mean I'm scot-free. There is somebody who is informed, who is not in error, and the one that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, now this is an instruction that applies to you and me today. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Then shall every man have praise of God. What does he mean? We shouldn't discern we shouldn't try to know what's right and wrong we shouldn't uh, figure out if someone's actually on a bad path and we need to apply Matthew 18 and try to turn them back and, and into the the right path we shouldn't even examine ourselves I think the word judge here is more about the judge not that you be not judged attitude of I I am based on limited and incomplete information, uh, making an evaluation that you are, you know, I, I, I'm, I know, I think I know what's going on inside of you and why you did that, and I think you did that because you're proud, you're, you know, I, I, I jump to conclusions about other people in the church, and I express that to other people, and that just tears the church down. And we don't have a right to do that because we are, we, and it's too early. There will come a time when the Lord comes, when all the actual motives and true context and what's really going on and the hidden things of darkness that are obscure to us right now are going to be made plain. They're going to be made manifest. Even the motives, the counsels of the heart are going to be manifest and people will know really why that person looked at me sideways. You know, it may not be that they were, you know, you know, being, thinking evil thoughts about me. Maybe <laughs> so many times, so much unnecessary heartache and division and Satan messes with our relationships based on us jumping to conclusions and based on us worried about what other people think. And right here in these three verses, Paul is saying, stop it. Stop worrying about what other people think. It only matters what God thinks. He's the only one who has the right to judge us, the only one who has the ability to judge us fairly. And stop it. Stop judging other people 
because you are not in a position to do that. So we can stop being critical of one another. Instead, we can start working together with one another and start together accomplishing the mystery of God and, and, and together being his body instead of putting up all the walls. Very powerful because I have known from a very early age how much the fear of what people think has damaged people, you know, around me. I, I could see it as a kid how much that fear of man is a negative, negative influence. And now that, you know, I have more experience of, uh, of people sharing with me, you know, it, it's all the more true. And here we have freedom from that. We answer to the Lord. It matters what I do. God actually knows my motive. I can't manipulate and, and maintain some kind of facade with God. So I need to be sincere. I need to, you know, allow the Spirit to tell me what's right and wrong. And I need to support you. And actually believe what you say or take you at your word. God will, will judge you. I might bring to your attention, hey, you know, I don't understand why you did that. And it'll help me clear it up for myself and maybe help you look at it. But I'm not coming here to judge or condemn or, or to put down or... You know, one faction versus another type of, of thing. That is totally carnal, as we learned in the last chapter. And, and totally detracts from what God's trying to accomplish in and through us. Can we? Can we, brothers and sisters and friends, judge nothing before the time? Can we stop expressing that judgment to one another and instead if you have a concern you can certainly go up to the person and say I'm confused about what you did there and have a conversation between you and him alone as we heard as ministers yesterday Matthew 18 to actually do it and not to talk about other people ahead of time can we even stop the harsh judgment of ourselves all the negative self-talk that we feel we're disqualified from even you know satan wants to demoralize us wants to make us feel defeated and not even you know able to serve god because if we need to repent we need to repent but this whole walking in this cloud of condemnation and all the judgment, even ourselves, does not accomplish the will of God. It just serves Satan's purposes to get us to isolate, hide, feel depressed, and, and, and be cut off from the source of life and hope and truth. Let's take Paul's attitude. It doesn't matter. It's a small thing. Okay, it, it's not like it's nothing, but it's a small thing. And I'm not going to let it change how I see myself. I know how God sees me, how he loves me, how he gave his son to die for me. And the fact that somebody over there thinks I made a mistake or doesn't understand what's really going on inside of me doesn't change how God sees me. So why should I let it bother me? 
God loves me and I can love my brother and sister and friend too. It's, it's not easy. It means we need to focus on Christ and let God be big and people be small. We need to let God be big and people be small in what we let impact us and change how we see ourselves. Even my own opinion is small. And let God's opinion be the only one that matters. These things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes that you might learn in us not to think of men above what is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. Now he's, he's applying this, this principle about critical thinking. He's applying it to the conflict that some people were puffed up. You know, the idea of puffed. You think of a puffer fish. You know, it's really this small, but, you know, he swells them up stuff with air and has all these prickles come out and all of a sudden they think it's this big thing but you poke it with a pin and there's there's no substance to it it's just puffed up and so we can get puffed up with our opinions and oh you know Apollos he's somebody have you heard him talk he can talk circles around Paul I mean he really knows his ancient Greek poets and he, you know, can knows his his ancient Judaic history and you should hear him like the way he expresses himself, it just you know, makes you feel smart to listen to him. And it's all air. And Paul's going to get to that at the end. I'm not interested in those who are puffed up, the speech of those who are puffed up, but the power. Because there's a difference. And the kingdom of God is not about fancy words that make people feel a certain way. It's about the actual power to live in a godly way. For who, now here's another principle that he's going to bring out in the, context, in the source of this conflict, but one that I think you and I can apply to ourselves and really makes a difference about how we see ourselves. He says, who makes you to differ from one another? We're reading down verse 7. It's a good one to remember. Who makes you to differ from one another? Or what do you have that you didn't receive? Because obviously there's this conflict, oh, this guy's better than this guy, right? Or I'm better than that person. And we do that. We do that with ourselves. We do that with our kids. Oh, my kid did this. And, you know, we, we, we derive a certain sense of identity, self-worth by comparing ourselves with other people. And it's not wise, Paul's going to say in this chapter, I believe it's chapter 10. <coughs> it's not wise to compare. And right here he's going to explain why. So, you know, I, you know, I compare myself with Apollos. Oh, you know, you know, I know physics and he doesn't or whatever. What do I have that God didn't give me? I think I'm Apollos' better talker. Well, God gave him that ability to express himself. It, it was part of his whole <coughs> gene pool and whatever upbringing that God gave him that ability. It doesn't give him a right to brag about it. He can't really say, I'm better than you because I have this thing that God gave me. Like, he can't take credit for it. It was a gift of God. 
And God didn't give it to him so he could brag about it and say, I'm better than, you know, Paul, who God made different and gave different abilities. Because God gave Paul what Paul had. And so we have no right to brag because everything we have, we've been given. And we can't take credit for it. So on that basis, it's foolish to compare because we're hurting the person who gave it to us. God didn't give Apollos, you know, great uh, speaking ability so he could go around and create division in the church and make people feel small and, and make some people feel puffed up. And that, that's not why God gave it. And he didn't give you your gifts. He didn't give your kids their gifts so you can feel good about yourself compared to other people. That's not why God did it for you. And if you're going to use it that way, God's going to be offended that you abuse the gifts he's given you to build up the kingdom to tear it down. Do you understand that? Why should you feel good about yourself? Not because, you know, you made this much money or you have this thing or you have this ability. You should feel good about yourself because Jesus Christ came from heaven and loved you so much that he died on the cross for you and is committed to you, has raised up, and he's willing to walk with you, live inside of you, and help you come to glory and share his glory with you. That's why you should feel good about yourself. Not because of the mark you got on a test or the number of dollars in your bank account or what you accomplished on whatever scale. And when we make ourselves to differ amongst ourselves on these puny things that God gave you to help build up the kingdom, we're hurting the person who gave us. And we got to stop it. There's a lot more in the chapter. We just went through seven verses, but we're out of time. We'll have to pick up with that next time. But... God has given us two important principles. Stop it. Stop being critical when you don't know the whole story. God alone knows it. And stop comparing and building your identity based on how you differ from another person because all those things were gifts from God to build up the kingdom and not to tear it down. May the Lord bless his word. Let's sing 183. Hymn number 183. Let's sing verses 1, 2.
Number 183, verses 1, 2, and 4. Heavenly Father, we are grateful once again for a message that runs a lot deeper than the words seem to appear. We know, dear Father, that you can shake mountains, you can shake the earth, you can stir up the oceans, and yet the greatest of your powers lies in, <clears throat> in your love, dear Father, for us. These tiny specks in a vast universe you've created, dear Father. That fact alone, dear Father, should shake us, knowing that you care for each and every one of us. And that somehow that we can think that we are a match for the wiles and guiles of the enemy, dear Father. Let us just perish that thought because he knows how to undermine us and he will undermine your love for us, dear Father, at every chance he gets, knowing that that division, dear Father, will lead to his goal and his ultimate ambition, dear Father, which we know will never succeed. We thank you again, dear Father, knowing that you're with us, dear Father, that you're trying to bind us together each and every day and that rumors and murmuring that these petty little arguments, dear Father, lead us nowhere and only into the hands of the enemy. Let us turn from those ways, dear Father, as a body indeed, to repent and to come back 
to our only one true source, our only true one anchor, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're grateful, dear Father, for this message. May we write it on our hearts. Once again, take it out into the world, dear Father, and actually live it. It is so difficult, dear Father. We know that without you, it is impossible to do. And let us not, dear Father, call you Lord, Lord, as the word says, and do nothing you say. Those words should shake us every single morning. We thank you again for this, dear Father. Look forward to the rest of this day, and thank you sincerely for the blessings we've received this week, both those we've seen and especially those we haven't. We know you're always working in the background, dear Father, and when you seem absent, we know you're working. May we understand that each and every day, that as believers, dear Father, this is always going on, and we pray, dear Father, that those around us, those who are unconverted, those who don't believe, will, one will see will see you in us, dear Father. That is your ultimate goal. Without transformation, there is no end goal for you. We thank you again for this, dear Father, and we look forward to a new day, a new week, and once again, giving you all the praise and glory you rightfully deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Hymn number 72, verses 2, 4, 6, and 8.
We heard a very convicting message this morning. We had discussions on Matthew 18. You know, when we plan in the OMEC committee which topics to talk about, this one came up. My first reaction was, it's a very commonly known chapter. It's something that we are all asked in our counseling on what to do if your brother trespasses against you. The steps are very simple. The problem is, as mentioned before, things that are simple can doesn't mean they're easy. They can only be easy if we, in simple humility and obedience, obey them. But if we come to points where, well, why should I? I don't know, but this situation is different. Um, we have justifications, rationalization, which prevent me. And probably at the root of everything, and we have mentioned many times before, the root of all sin is pride. It's hard for me to humble myself, to admit I did wrong. Please forgive me. And it's easier to point the finger the other way and say it was his fault. Who did it? He did it. But it won't come to me. And some of us may say, well, there's a lot of scripture like this one in 1 Corinthians 4, Matthew 18, uh, that talk about how to deal with conflict and 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 the faults that are in the church. But if we remember, we're not looking in rule books. We're not like the Medes and the Persians when Darius wanted to find out, how can I get Daniel off the hook? And let me see what this clause says here. And da, 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 da. If we abide by the principles by God that God has given to us, and we went through the Beatitudes, the beautiful attitudes of a Christians, of a Christian. If we abide by the principles, then it's easier to understand on how to deal with any situation. Let's say the principle of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So when you get a situation and you, you're tempted to accuse, to get angry, to spout off, you say, well, would I really want them to do that to me if I was in the same situation? Would I really want someone not to forgive me if I was in the situation? You can see that we go back to the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law is where the Pharisees and Sadducees failed miserably because they went by the letter of the law what their rights were what their legal rights were and then they could somehow if they can legalize it and give good rationale and discussion they can wiggle their way into this into this area or, or they can justify why they didn't have to give to their mother and father the spirit of the law says what is the greatest commandment love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. 
Do unto others as you would do unto you want, want them to do unto you. So if we're willing, we, we know that the Master, the Lord, wants us to live in love, for this is the greatest command to us. Love one another for such, for apart from the love of God, the, the, the next one is the love of your neighbor. Love one another, for in so doing, you will show that all men, that Christ is your Lord. And if we do that, it's easier to forgive. It's saying, this is my little brother, this is my little sister. This is what my Lord wants me to do. I love, I'm doing this because of the love he had for me, I'm having for my brother and my sister. And I'm willing to dissolve, I'm willing to suffer even loss. I'm willing to take the short end of the stick in relationships so that we can not in any way hinder the cause of Christ. It's not my cause, it's his cause. And when we don't judge one another, when we forgive one another, then the machine runs smoothly, as we say, for things on this earth. You add the oil of love, the oil of humility, the oil of submission to one another, and things run more smoothly in the kingdom of God. I pray that every one of us are convicted in this way, that whatever we do, we do for the glory of God and he will be praised and we will be edified and built up. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.